You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. Each week, I have a guest on where we have a conversation exploring their journey, how they do life, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, how they get through it all and claim it for themselves. This week, my guest is Jeff Babco, a professional musician that I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with several times over the years. The first time was um, we were working for a week on a project on Skywalker Ranch and like staying there. It was amazing. We did not talk about that, but I just had to say that was amazing. (laughs) I wanted to talk to Jeff because he is a professional side musician, gets hired to do recordings, to go on tour. He is also in the Jimmy Kimmel Band and has been since it started. So I wanted to talk to him about what that was like becoming a professional musician, as obviously we can try to get talked out of dreams like that in our life and what it looks like and how like he is living his dream playing music, but how does that show up every day and the harder parts of that? So I really, really loved this conversation. You'll also hear some background about me and starting in sound because we had, you know, just similarities in going into a different type of profession than what most parents would choose for their kids. So yeah, I really love Jeff. I love this episode. Here we go. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Okay, I have so many questions for you. Uh Uh-huh. But let's start with what I feel like is the easiest Mm -hmm. is you are a professional musician. Mm -hmm. How did you get on that path? Do you feel like you always knew you would be? Like, I will, this will be my job? Or were you just so like, I love music, I will make it and didn't even think about it as a career? How did that happen? It's a great question. Um, I think that I always knew I was going to do this. And my father was really, he was really careful about making sure that it, I didn't believe it was a guaranteed life path. Okay. So he was really uh, kind of, a, as I would grow up, you know, I think I wanted to do this when I was, I mean, really, as soon as I discovered a piano in his office. He had a piano in his office. Mm-hmm. So he was a music, music teacher. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. he was a music teacher. And wrote and, and arranged music. And my grandfather, my mother's father was a music teacher as well. Did your father ever have any desires to be more than a music teacher? So he obviously I don't think so. No, I think he found up. his way in education. I think okay. that's where he found his calling. Got and it. his being able to share his love of music was through introducing it to young people. So he saw your intrigue for the piano. Yeah, but did not um first he didn't want to give me lessons because he didn't want that to be the he wanted me to get lessons from somebody else oh that's Um, very wise choice. yeah absolutely um so i took lessons early on and and along the way i mean i really i remember first grade thinking this is what i this kind of defined who i was a a piano player a musician i was i wrote a little song for the school school show in first grade Uh uh-huh oh my goodness wrote the school theme song Oh my goodness. Old Richard Owls. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I don't remember ever thinking that it was going to be anything but what I do. So then also from that young, it wasn't just playing music and like, oh, I like this song. I want to learn how to play it. That you were like creating your own music, even with words. Do you right? Did it have or- words? 
Lyrics or, have never been my strong suit. Okay, it so, might have had like Go Old Orchard Owls or something got like it. that. But you were composing music, yes, basically. Yes, yes. It was kind of a disco number for the Grease-themed <laughs> um, first grade show. Uh, but my dad was really cool about, uh, as I'd say, you know, along the way, like say fifth grade and ninth grade and graduating uh, high school and then into college, kind of had, had these sit-down talks like, you know, you don't have to, just because it's what you do, it doesn't have to be your career. You could do this and that, and I, I would think about it. And um, in, in, even into college where I was a music major and he would suggest getting jobs in or getting internships in the music industry that weren't playing just so I could say, hey, you know, you love music, but maybe I think he was just mostly worried or concerned about the probability or of, of being a professional musician. Yeah, it's not always the easiest life or... T- starting to even just get into it and then to continue yeah. at working in whatever way that looked like. So did you feel like he was not like crushing your dreams, but just kept like making you aware of other options? Like, so it felt supportive. You, oh, he couldn't have been more supportive. Okay. No, there's no bigger fan of, of me as a musician um, than my, my parents or my, my dad. So it wasn't that, oh gosh, it was, I think, protecting me from, yeah. you know, Having, I think, actually, a protection from from having my dreams crushed, but it didn't feel like a dream to me. It felt like a path, like I was just going forward with what I believed, who I believed I was, and yeah. what my calling was. And I, I often think, you know, if I'm asked by young people, what if it didn't work out? Which happens a lot from parents now, or yeah, from young people just starting out. What was your plan B? And and I didn't have one, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't have been happy to figure something out. I just kept marching forward and trying to get better and trying to know more and trying to, you know, just going one direction and dad was always supportive. But I I really appreciate that he gave me those kind of, those pauses for reflecting on reality of of the likelihood of being a professional musician. Did it ever make you doubt yourself? I don't think so. And I think about this a lot lot now, like later and, you know, or wherever I am in my career, I think it made me double down on my belief that I was going the right direction and work harder. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm like trying to think about it in my own like life. I didn't, you know, I had a dream to be a live sound engineer, which mm-hmm. I didn't even know what that was called. Mm-hmm. I just went to concerts and was like, that guitar is too loud. Like as a 16 year old yep. and would see the person behind a console and didn't understand what they were doing. Like want to do that. So it was even weirder for my family to be like, you want to do this thing you have no idea. Do you know what it even is? Mm -hmm. But I was just like, yeah, I like know that that's what I want to do. And my parents, of course, like they wanted me. I say like the main, I like only got a college degree for them. Right. But I found a school that had like a music program, which was amazing because it ended up being Chicago. It was a music business program at first. And that's where I then worked my way into the House of Blues that then was able to actually in see. In Chicago? Yeah. What a so great I've, venue to start at. To that, yeah, that's where I with started. With the hotel connected, right? With mm-hmm, the right across the yeah, uh-huh. like, street. Yeah. So I got a job in the company store. Great. Because that's I only had retail. I worked in the mall. All the, I worked in record stores. Mm-hmm. I worked in card stores when I was in high mm-hmm. school. I always had a job in retail. So I got a job at the company store. And production people, you know, are there all day long. Right. Because the concerts load in. And so they would always come downstairs and like stop in and hang out with me. And I would get to know everybody. And then eventually was like, I'm pretty sure that what you guys are doing is what I want to do. Right. One day the production manager said that to him. And he was like, well, okay, sure. Come hang out. So I went to hang out one day after my other office job. And I was like, this is it. You knew. 
And I, they like, and then from that day on, I was there more than anyone Right. Like I just kept showing up for free. I created my own internship. I was there for free for 40 hours a week, quit my other job so I could be there for load in because I was only getting there for a sound check. And then like, yeah, so that was really. And then I found out my school actually had a sound program and even had an audio like live sound program. So I like switched all my classes two weeks before school started. Anyway. And your parents were supportive? Oh, no. Right. (laughs) And that's why I got onto this path was like that they were just like, no. And so many people would show up to me. What do you, you don't even know what you're doing. Or like, I'd be taking these music business classes and be like, I don't know. I think I want to produce again. I didn't know what producing even meant. Right. And these like music guys that had been like playing around at their home bands and home studios, you know, they were like, what are you even talking about? So everybody was doubting me. Mm-hmm. And I just was just like, I don't know. I don't even know what this thing is, but I just know I'm just constantly intrigued in right. that their doubts made me just more be like, well, I got to just see. Right. <laughs> Well, I, I think that the fact that you had a curiosity and innate and, and, and you were going so far forward into that direction. I mean, think of how hard it is for people now, you know, young people with direction. You know, they see somebody on Instagram that is a, an influencer and they think, I don't have to have a direction. I can just be important suddenly, right? It's so weird. But, but I think for any, like as, as a parent, we worry about will our kids find a direction or a passion? And the fact that you knew what it, you didn't even know what it was I by know name, what it was <laughs> but you loved it. Yeah. And how cool is that, that you had a, I think parents that don't understand the business that their kids are, or, or what they're, hey, just to see that they have a, an interest and that they're going somewhere and that they, they, they have yeah. a hunger for a thirst for knowledge. And how valuable that curiosity is. Big time. That if they're constantly driven to like show up and do work and quit, like, you know, like, do things that can be hard because they're curious, then like let them explore that and see where that can go. And that's for all, for people of all ages totally. too, that even if you're like, oh, but this is my job and I'm yeah. at my job and it's a safe job and I'm curious about this, then like just keep following that curiosity and right. see how you feel in it. Because it was, it was hard mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I was 19 yeah. and I was a girl. I was going to say, yeah. Trying right. to be a sound engineer. Right. <laughs> which... You don't really see many girls in that field. So it was hard, but I didn't choose to see it as hard because I was so excited about what I was learning and doing. And I had to ask this. I remember being like, okay, Trish, so Trisha, go get us a boom stand or Mike the snare drum. And I'd be like, what's a snare drum? <laughs> and I had to keep just being like, I don't know. Right. And I feel so embarrassed right now, but I just have to keep asking questions because I'm curious. And they were nice. Most of the time. Yeah, I think there pe- was people definite- are pretty cool. Like if, you're, if you show how vulnerable you are. Yeah, well, and I think that there is power in that asking the question. Asking questions is hard. Mm-hmm. And it's still hard. Same. <laughs> yep. But I was able to see it's better for me to ask a question and risk the possibility of looking stupid or not knowing enough than to keep pretending and then make a mistake and then people be upset with me because why didn't you just ask? Or why did you say yes? Why did you do that when you didn't know? And so that was something back then I did. And I'm still like, you know, I'll be in a, having a conversation with somebody and they'll say a word and I go, I'm sorry, I don't know what that mean. I could look stu- choose to see that as looking stupid, but I right. just, well, I would rather know what you're talking totally. about. <laughs> I think that's great. That's a good, and I've always been uh, hesitant to ask questions for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was getting on this topic because what I felt is my, you know, my parents expressing fear and that now I'm able to look back and be like, well, that was their version of love. And like your dad was doing it in a different way where he was like showing you he's supportive, but also 
giving you these, oh, but by the way, this, or have you thought about that, that I now see that a lot of times when it feels like the people that we want to support us the most aren't showing up in the way we want us to, it's because they're showing love expressed through fear, through doubt, because they can't see or understand that thing that you're going for and they don't want you to be hurt. So they want to keep you safe, but that it also might be that they don't have something that they're as excited about. So they can't understand that joy or that passion or that like thing that you're putting yourself out there to do because they haven't realized it for themselves. And they only have the perspective as a parent. They can't, you know, they can't. Or a loved one, you know, significant other, either now I can sometimes make up. I'm not, I make up meaning like I don't even have a conversation. Right. But we'll just be like, oh, they're not going to understand. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, I won't even allow people to fully show up for me sometimes because I'm afraid they won't. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But just seeing that, like, really, like, it's just, it's all versions of love. And Mm -hmm. and it's also that their experience of what they understand in their own mind for themselves. Yeah. Then they sometimes can't see it for you. Yeah. So let's get back to your story. But like, yeah, that your father was being great and showing you love and supportive, but also putting these little other ideas in your head. Totally giving me giving me options. Um, never disbelieving in my in my vision, whatever that was. I don't even think it was a vision, really. It was just a just a path. And, so, and you started. You then graduate high school, go yeah. to college yeah. for music. Mm-hmm. And again, were you at that point then? Okay, I'm choosing to study music. Were you then? I'm going to be a professional. Like, what did that even? Do you remember what you thought yeah. you would? I mean, be doing? there were different. I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I didn't think I was going to be a rock star. Like, I didn't think that was my, like, or an artist because I didn't really write lyrics as much. And I didn't, the part of the the thing that I loved wasn't the limelight or the spotlight. It, were you in playing in bands yeah. at all? So, mm-hmm. like, in high school and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you were in bands. Totally. Yeah. Loved bands. But I also loved the guys in L.A. because I grew up close enough to L.A. where I saw that people made a living as a sideman. Okay. Uh, so... Why don't you say what a side man is? Oh, a side man is is the man on the side. <laughs> no, it's uh so so a hired uh, a hired musician for an artist. So for the the artist that you know by name, the the music musicians, the singer songwriters. Well, let's just say so we actually we've met before that, but one way we mm-hmm. back met yeah. was that you were a hired guy yeah. recording Jason Mraz's album. Love is a, was it love is a four letter yeah. word? Mm-hmm. So yeah, in that instance jason goes into the studio with mm-hmm. his own songs and then the producer and jason himself choose musicians mm-hmm. hired musicians that he's never worked with before to then execute these songs and bring them to life to record for the album correct they also i'm t- i'm told you to explain and now i'm explaining no it's good it's helpful <laughs> you know your listeners so. but also in i don't because this is a podcast doesn't exist yet <laughs> but i'm just trying to be like this is for anybody listening yeah and of course it helps <laughs> um but also for live as well, I worked with many, um, it could be for that new tour. They need a new, like, okay, I need to hire a new band for the people that are backing me. Natalie Cole sometimes in each city would have a new tour or, hey, we'd hire horns locally. So sometimes the hired guy is just like gets the music, plays it for that night, never played it before that. Sometimes they're hired and then play the entire yeah, for nine months or album. Something. Yeah, or the album, right. And we yeah. were on Jason's album for a long time. That was a really long recording was process. Was it? Yeah, that doesn't have, I mean, that was, I mean, not to go too business, but Atlantic put a lot of money and time into that. And we were, as as session musicians, we were really thrilled that it went so, because it was mostly the same group of people and we all really love one another. So it was really fun for us to go to work every day on music that was good and and 
get to see each other and, and make a good song every day. Like, like on that level, that length of time, it's rare for a label to let us really dig in for that long a time and, and get that much time together. And Yeah, I wasn't aware. I think that was the first time I was in because I was pretty much there. Almost you were there day. a lot, yeah. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I think I was almost there. There, I might have been there every single day. You were, yeah. which was amazing. I yeah. loved it. But yeah, okay. So that's so you anyway. You saw that this idea of hired guys, like I don't have to be in this band that's making it or whatever. Correct. I can be a piano. And I wonder player. if, as you say that, I wonder if because I had a band coming out of college. Um, we had an original band, and it was the college had a label for the first time, and they signed our band and we were the gigging. college had a label yeah they, as wow. part of their music business oh, program they cool. started a label and that was the first year and they signed us and um we came out to la i i had an intention of i didn't like living in miami so much for me so you were going to school in miami yeah, okay so Florida. you went to college in miami mm-hmm. grew up in california mm-hmm. correct went out there um now it's the frost school of music it was just university of miami school of music then okay and we had a band it was we were gigging a lot in was, college. Yep. And, you know, out in clubs and stuff. Yeah. Um, it was a good band. And then and then we all came back to L.A. And I and the bass player and I were from L.A. So it made sense for us to come to L.A. because that's where the music industry was. You came back to L.A. You Did you graduate college? I did. Okay. So the second I graduated, the whole band, the whole band came okay. here. And three of them lived in the bass player's parents' guest house. And then I lived with my folks for a second. And he lived there his parents and um as we were gigging in la i started to realize maybe i i wasn't best uh, used in a band like i that wasn't the best for me at that time because i already because also they all got day gigs like one guy was working at the deli right one so guy was delivering and i was work- gigging because i ha- i knew people here so I my day gig was they gigging. all had little day jobs mm-hmm. to try to get money little day jobs whatever they no, had no 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 yeah, yeah regular day jobs yeah, yeah. and, and gigging, by gigging I mean music jobs playing yeah. and then so yeah you were getting hired to come hey can you play play a little piano l- on little this. club or play play for oh. a party or play for a yeah you know or yeah a little record or yeah whatever those were popping up because I knew enough people here that okay Jeff's back like and so I realized oh this may be and I had a little jazz band like this may be where I actually i'm leaning and the band i think might have not you know maybe not everybody realized that in a band you know four or five people everyone's supposed to share the same goal and i realized maybe we don't have the same goal and there were different directions like are we taking long solos or are we a pop band <laughs> and, and you know so i realized i felt myself peeling away from the band and and, and enjoying the idea of more varied musical career and and so i was the first to leave and then the bass player left and then they all went back to Florida. And I realized that was a great idea for me. I still love those guys. Yeah. And I, but I wanted an independent kind of uh, variety. And I figured that out pretty quickly. Do you feel like that was part of just like your personality or? You know, it's tough to say. What if it had been a group, you know, imagine. If it was a different group of people that you group all seem yeah. to be on the same it's page like the It's like Silicon time. Valley. People, like if you start a, a company with two other people, you almost never see those same three people 20 years later at the company, right? So it's like they splinter off. And I just realized that at least in that case, it wasn't going to go a forward, like a straight line with that group of five guys at that moment. So I started working and I got a tour right away. Uh, like after I left the band, I'd say a month later, I got a tour and this was kind of, I wasn't out on the road all the time, but what was the tour? Julio Iglesias. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That seems like pretty big. It was great. Yeah. And it was um, it was like four days home, a week gone. Right. A week so home. not like I wasn't out on a big, you know, kind of a nice way to integrate. Totally. So I could still be life. here, kind of um, sow my oats and be a an independent musician and then go tour. It was great. It, it ended up being like, that's not the tour I wanted to do as a 22 year old, like playing yeah. for, you know, basically 60 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> But I was like, that seems great. Like, a yeah, like big artist, but it's not like, oh, these are my people. No, no. And that, like, that's part music. I wish it had been like, like when a tour did come up when I was about 24, that was for younger people. I jumped at that just because I wanted to play younger music, but it didn't la- like the guy didn't last very long. And, and I realized that was a sinking ship too, but I'm glad I did it. And then I kind of moved over and started doing more jazz and blues tours. And that seemed to be where I kind of fit in. Um, best musically and and they were kind of people that I felt aligned with more so I found it you know every every step though I found the good in you know yeah do you remember like having any like learning of like okay that's not what I thought it was or maybe that's not for me or just like figuring your place out more and being like okay with did you ever have turned down jobs and was that oh, hard yeah. a lot to turn them down? Yes. It's still hard. Yeah. And it's so still the hardest, hardest thing. Do you mostly turn them down now though, just because you're have so much on your plate or are you able to see like, I, that maybe not the best fit for me? Uh, well, yeah, all of those things. So, so now I, I do a television show. I do the Jimmy Kimmel show. So I don't have to tour for a long time. So and you've been doing that for how long? This is almost 16 years. Is that since it started? Uh-huh. 2003. Wow. 2002, we started rehearsals. Um, I don't have to tour. So I get called for tours every now and then. And I, I would rather stay home with my family than... And also, I, you know, I have a job commitment. So I have taken a few tours in that time where it's not too far, too long away. And I can sub out a little bit, but then come back. So I still do James Taylor. I did a summer with him two summers ago. But in the summer, we have a lot of hiatuses at Jimmy Kimmel. So I, here's the thing, like to answer your question, um, it's all about prioritizing and figuring out what the best version of events is for me. Yeah. So nothing is ever perfect. Like I'm letting somebody down for a moment, but I want to make everybody feel seen and respected. So okay, here's what I'm doing and make sure they're covered and make sure they know I'm not just flitting off because this one paid 50 more dollars or something like right. everyone needs to feel like they're respected because they are. I don't, yeah. I, right now I'm at a point where I really do respect all my employers and my colleagues and, and they deserve me to give them the same respect that, 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 you know, it needs to go both ways. So I make sure everybody's cool and, and plan accordingly, but it is tricky. It's tricky and making those choices is probably the hardest part of, part of my job. What then, is there something like that makes you easier to narrow it down besides availability? Yeah, uh, like I, I've just tor- turned down, I think, I just turned down <laughs> a, a, a tour that it's not long, but it, it makes it so I, I have to miss my regular home job and I'm away from home. And yeah. I don't really, I, if I don't have to be away from home right now in my life, I'd rather not. The ones that I do take away from home are three days four days at a time so it's like not as drastic and it doesn't alter the home the the stuff here you know the families that day to day and i I come back pretty quickly so let's talk about being this sort of side guy hired guy i have to make up that that can be very nerve-wracking and Mm -hmm. a lot 
like of fears and doubts come up in the fact of like, okay, they hired me because they like me, but now you like show up mm-hmm. and play. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing now you've been doing this for so long. Mm-hmm. There's probably, you're pretty good at just showing up and like doing it and not letting that stuff stop you. But do you remember early on or if that stuff still comes up or like maybe if it is like, oh my gosh, this big person is coming or even, I don't know with Jimmy Kimmel or if like a certain guest is there or anything yep. like that. Like when you feel this like sort of pressure or performance, you know, like, am I going to perform? Yes, I had pressure, tremendous pressure a month ago. I did a movie, Toy Story 4, the score. Um, oh, wow. That's what my wife usually does scoring. And I do some scores, but she does the orchestra, orchestra scores usually. And I do the, oh, it's a quirky band, a violinist. Viol- yeah. I was like, I thought violin. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, so that's not my usual being on the what they say that on the floor with the orchestra means the whole orchestra's in the in the sound stage and then the piano's also in the orchestra. Usually when I did movies it was me and a composer or me with the rhythm section, which is the like your bass drums. Where you're more you're where used it's to being just in kind that of a band. Setting. But yeah. this is orchestra and it's it's Randy Newman, it's hard parts and so that's not my comfort zone at all. So I was, I mean, to be honest, freaking out <laughs> two days before, three days before, because for me, the, the trickiest thing is, is not knowing what I'm walking into. And kind of to answer your question, I know what I'm walking into, some version of it, almost always, not because it's been such a long time. Yeah. I know you're going to walk in, you're going to see the guys, you're going to know most of the guys, hey, you're going to hang, it's going to be great. It's going to be, you know, even if at a session, you don't know exactly who's on it, but it's a handful of people and it's all friends. And Yeah, like by this point, you know, I know someone everywhere. <laughs> and even if I don't know, I, we know of each other. Yeah, and like, oh, so you were And we all love each other person. and it's such a good camaraderie. You've seen it. Yeah, it's, it's, such it's a, so special. It's so fun and yeah. we're all there to make good music and we're all there doing what we love and we're all there to order our lunch. And <laughs> um, So this, um, although I obviously my wife, my wife was on the session, but this I don't... And did that calm you down or make you more nervous in any it's way? It's really interesting. It's a good question. <laughs> calm me down. Okay, good. Um, she was really good at, this is what she does though. So yeah. it's not pressure to her. Although it's very, con- this is her skill set. Concentrating, reading music. Um, you, know, you have to read music in real time with a clock going and it's very expensive. So they want to do it quickly. So. so besides even the fact that it's for Tour Story 4, yeah. for Randy Newman, it's also yeah. that that's maybe not outside of your norm of like I'm reading music on time like that so like even orchestra. out of context or- yeah if it's just me I can say can you you know punch in other words can you can you have me play this again or I'm with a hundred people like that's not the deal this is me and the other thing that was freaky about that is as I mentioned to my wife like there's 27 violins there's one piano so if there's a mistake in the violins it might not they're not sure who it is and <laughs> They not might not notice. Like right. there's a lot. If there's a mistake in the piano, pretty much Yeah, you're gonna there's, notice a, there's a finger. And so the night before the session I was super nervous. And I haven't been that nervous about something in a long in a long time. Was there anything that you did or thoughts or anything that helped you? Yeah, my wife actually I was practice. I got the parts a couple days in advance. So I was looking at them and 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 making a lot of notes. Um this is something that I don't have to do that often. Like with the rock record is basically learn, you learn the songs in advance. You listen if they send you the songs and you get an idea of what the vibe is, but I don't have to be putting in fingerings, which is like in a piano music, you're putting in, okay, the thumb plays this note, the, the, this finger, Oh wow. like, but it was so complicated. You need to kind of suss that out, like get your roadmap in advance. And it's technically challenging. 
so I'm doing all that for a couple days. And there was one part that I wasn't able to play. I was like, I I don't know if that's playable. I don't think that's playable. And I told my wife that the night before. I said, there's a part that's not playable. So I may either ask the orchestrator. So in that you meaning not playable by you, but you're just like, I don't know if this is playable by a piano player. I couldn't tell. It it didn't seem so. It was really weird. It just didn't (laughs) lay in the hand. And she said, everything is, you can break it, break down anything. You can take anything apart and you can make it playable. And I was really angry. You were really angry? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were some expletives. I was not at her. It was just like, not for me. I can't break it down. I tried to, she's asked, you can break anything down. And I said, I'm not, I tried. I tried breaking it down. It's not, I'm going to break down is what's going to happen. <laughs> and I got really mad. And it was like midnight the night before the session. And I marched in there in my bathrobe to the piano and I, Broke it down. It was totally, totally, she was totally right. You did it. Broke it down. So that was a great lesson. Like, uh, and, and it doesn't have to be pretty. Like I had to work around. Like I had to make my left hand play part of it. And, but no one's, no, you're not getting scored for, you know, there's no ice skating judges for, <laughs> for elegance. There was just like, you got to play this. Wow. With the, so it was a great lesson. Did that then feel so awesome that you did do it? Or yes. were you like mad? <laughs> No, once I did it, I was I was mad to have to. I'm a genius. No, I was mad. I had to have my tail between my legs when I went back and said, "Yeah, you're right." You know that sucks, but um, but also really good lesson for me. And also, I was really nervous until I got there because one thing for me that's hard these days, as I've done this so long, going into a new situation where I don't know what it's going to look like or feel like, I'm that's still really mortifying for me. To the not knowing. Yes. Three minutes into the session, I was fine because I knew what it was. And oh, okay. This isn't You're so like bad. back home a bit. Yeah. Or, and I figured out, version. okay, this is what the surroundings are. Nobody's out to get You're very nice people. And I was prepared. I was really glad to be prepared. Yeah. So I, I could breathe. You know, and, and then she said that some of her colleagues were saying, oh, like, fun guy Jeff, where's fun guy Jeff? Like, he's not, he just looks miserable. He looks like, like he's so in your taking head. deep breaths. I said, you know why? Because I'm taking deep breaths. I'm breathing like with purpose. I'm actually, you know, kind of in a mini meditative space because I want to be super mindful of every, I don't want to be. So yeah, I'm breathing deeply. Sorry if it doesn't Re- look intentionally, fun. Intentionally. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Just, like you were telling yourself, I need to breathe deeply. 100% telling myself to breathe. So if I looked like I was breathing deeply, absolutely. Because the makeup, you have to be super present. Totally. Every bar. <laughs> and that was the biggest exercise in kind of active mindfulness, maybe of my life, just <laughs> in, in the career. Now, the other one was the last James Taylor tour we did, uh, which was all baseball stadiums we did with um, wow. Bonnie Raitt. It was a double, double bill, yeah. which was super fun. But there is a song that James has called Shed a Little Light that's um, a great song about Martin Luther King. It's a beautiful song, civil rights. And um, it starts with just piano. James wrote it at the piano. And James' piano writing is very specific. Did he used to play the piano? Always guitar, No, he writes the piano, but he really meticulously works it out. um, But it's all piano. The, The whole intro of the song is four bars of piano kind of out of time. And imagine... Four bars would be about how much time? Oh, it's probably... 20 seconds. Okay. But imagine you have 20 seconds at Wrigley Field for however many tens of thousands of people that is, and you're the only thing that however many thousands of people are focused on for that time. Like I could sabotage this moment, like this, I could totally ruin this moment. 
And that's a lot of pressure. I mean, like recording is one thing, but you're saying most of the times you can like do it over. It was more pressure with the orchestra because there's so many people you can't really have that do over. And they're my wife's friends. (laughs) Yeah. But live, there isn't any do over. This is the moment. (laughs) This is the moment. And the first one I did on that run was where the Washington Generals play, whatever that in DC. And yeah, it was a lot. How did you, did you try to do anything back then? Mindful? Same kind of thing, breathing in and out. And did you tell yourself anything before this was a song in the middle of the set? I might, yeah, middle of the set. I think I was somehow telling myself I knew how to play this. Yeah. I know how to, I know how to play I've been playing that song for 15 years, (laughs) but, but you know, you're going to get inside your head a little bit Yeah, and it's going to get in the way. Exactly. It's like deep down, you know what you're doing. It's just getting out of the way. <laughs> getting out of my own way. Yeah. That, that's what that was. And sometimes, especially the first couple, then you start to, and then it starts to be normal. To yeah. Do that. So by the third baseball stadium, I'm fine. But always aware of, you know, also being prepared again was the key because if I was feeling like I was ill prepared and nervous, then probably disaster. But I'm prepared. So I've got enough in my tank that I know I can do this. So yeah. butterflies, well, we're just going to have to race past them because Do we, you we prefer doing recording projects to live? Because now I feel like, because even, because Jimmy Kimmel mm-hmm. is live. Mm-hmm. Well, it's right? live to tape. Yeah, we can oh, edit. But, right, mm-hmm. okay, live to tape. But mm-hmm. for the most part, they mm-hmm. don't want to be. <laughs> no, I think both are great. So I also do this radio show, this live from here radio show, which is a live broad, radio broadcast. And Chris Thiele, who's the, band leader writes really hard music. What I love about that is that because you've rehearsed this and you only get the music two days before. So because you've rehearsed this really hard music, you've only known of this music for two days. It's only existed for two days. Um, He writes a new song every week and it's usually pretty hard. Um, What I love about the live experience is it's one and done. Like whatever happens in the moment is what happens. So you prepare, you prepare, you prepare and then you let it go. Yeah. You let you get out of the way and and make music. And there's something so beautiful about that. So I love that immediacy. I get that. I never, that's too, I I never was interested in when I was like, so about sound and music, I had never had any, nothing to go to into recording. I was always about live. And then in some ways that's so much more pressure, Yeah, especially because then I chose to be a monitor engineer. Right. Which is like so much more pressure because all the artists are like performance is in many ways depending on you. So it's yep. almost the same thing like you're out there. Am I going to mess this part up? Where I'm like, oh, no, what if the mic feeds back or like something that I do messes up in the middle of the like song? there's no glory in being a monitor engineer, which is I'm just telling you and to your listeners like monitor engineer is responsible <laughs> just for the, yes, <laughs> for the musicians on stage to hear themselves and whatever else they need. So you and the audience don't even know this is happening. Like this is literally. Well, you don't know what's happening unless somebody is like taking their ear out and right. yelling at But the they person. don't know why that person's doing that. They're like, why are they? What are they? <laughs> yeah, they're just like. There's somebody on the side of the stage responsible for guitar guy to know how the song sounds. And if it doesn't sound right that particular night, they're going to yell at that person on the side. And yeah. that's a lot of pressure. And yet you don't even get to reap benefits of the glory you don't even get to bow at the end he's like yeah your glory comes in that they might get a pat on the back yeah thanks trish is they're handing me their ears as they walk off but they had a fucking awesome performance so i get to take some credit in that no question (laughs) and i think for the good monitor engineers the band appreciates that person so much, and we value that person so much and i always try to like at live from here or the other 
I really try to thank the monitor engineer because even if they're being attentive and it wasn't a perfect job, like that is such a high pressure yeah. situation. But I was the same. Like I, I somehow, even though it was so much pressure, I and that there were definitely like bad, oh, mess ups either on my part or something happened that wasn't my fault, but it was in my realm where I had to go change this or do this or switch something on the fly or yep. whatever it happened. So some things that were take happen would be my responsibility or not, but there was something that was just like same thing even though it's so much pressure then i was like and that was that night and tomorrow was a whole nother day something so beautiful <laughs> about that right i know that, so it's really like gosh such training and letting go totally yeah. totally this moment is this moment and, and that's what like, i this love is as good as it's gonna get like you can be dialing things in checking those microphones to make sure there's no feedback a million different ways or putting the proper list but then when everybody plays it might end up being different totally. it's gonna sound so much the different during sound check yep. and all the preparation i've done <laughs> but had you not been that prepared that <laughs> passionate and cared that much about doing a good job and that's where the bad monitor injury that's where the bad side musician um that's when they show their colors and their worth and and i think for a side musician to just, I've seen people come in uh, ill-prepared and just think they've got this. And just that, even if it's just a little bit extra, you come in and you know your, your shit, you've got a really good chance. And, and not to mention, even if it's not perfect, boy, the leader or the, the, your boss notices your passion and your attention and your commitment. And yeah. that, will, that will afford you a lot, of, a lot of wiggle room if there's a mistake or two. Like that, it wasn't yeah, because that they of, can like, see you blew it off, or that you tried, or that yeah, you're there and they're not just there. Like and you're like, hey, I'm an awesome keyboard player. No, like, <laughs> never. No, it's like, and that's where again, breathing in and out for me. It's like, oh right, I no matter what, I I've got my breath and I've got <laughs> you know I, I'm here. Uh, this music will. I remember my dad telling me when I was in college, I was really stressed about a test. There's a Monday test. I remember it and. He said, you know what's going to happen? I said, what? No, I want to know what <laughs> Tuesday will happen. Either way. I'm like, all right. Okay, good. It was yeah. a great point. It was like, right. He's like, you're either going to fail it or you're going to pass it. But don't stress about the test. That's like, so awesome. Yeah. It was really helpful. I was like, all right. Okay. I mean, I could, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'll fail the test. Yeah. You study as you think you're as prepared as yep. possible. It's going to go out. It's going to go. It's going to go Tomorrow one way or another. another yeah. But it's tough sometimes to remember that stuff. Yeah. Hey, it's me, Trisha. Brief interruption, giving you a heads up. I have just reopened my one-on-one -on -one work. The program is called Your Manager of Integrity. When I work with people, I am all in so that we create real results. We talk one hour every week, and then we also are in contact every single day. Because I know making change is difficult whether it's changing our minds and changing our lives, both. So you have full access to me at all times, but not just that, I'm gonna be reaching out to you every single day to see how you're doing, to give you shifts, to give you tools, to help you remember what it is that you want. People work with me for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's because they know they wanna do something, but they haven't done it. They wanna feel differently. They know that they're not living up to their potential, that they have negative stories and thought patterns they don't get around. People work with me for lots of different reasons. And so how I work with people is unique, but that's the structure we follow. You have full access to me and it is a game changer. I'm fully there for you on this journey, on this ride, with you every step of the way. 
If you are interested in all, go to yourdrologist.com, hit the work with me tab, and you'll find details there. You can also DM me on social media, send me an email, what have you, and we can set up a 30-minute call to get to know each other. I will give you all the details up front on the costs and everything. The call is not to convince you or like force you into hiring me. It's really to get a feel for each other. I'm fully up front and I really do love this work so much. It's my favorite thing that I get to do. So putting that out there for you. And now let's get back to the episode. Okay, I'm interested in like back how I said we... uh we didn't first meet. We right. re-met in recording Jason's album. And yeah. I was so inspired and shocked. And I don't know if you got the music ahead of time. Probably mm-hmm. not. For, so Jason would sing the song the morning. That's of. what I mm-hmm. thought was happening. Yep. So like, so Jason goes in with these songs that he's written, which in previous interview with Jason, you've heard that he writes thousands of songs. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he's narrowed it down to a certain amount. We go into the studio and all of the you know, hired musicians are there, drummer, bass player, keyboard player, guitar, another guitar, guitar, yeah. another guitar. Mm-hmm. and he just sits down with his acoustic guitar and goes, okay, so here's a song. And he starts, he sings and plays a guitar. And then immediately it's like, you guys are like, okay, so now let's play. Like, I'm pretty sure it was like, he plays a song and then they go, okay, let's guys, let's play it. And so then you guys just start to create the song and mm-hmm. however you feel it was mind-blowing really like i'm slowly talking here because yeah. i'm still like in shock taking myself back there but remember that's what we do like it's like an architect that's what says you yeah, do, yeah but that's insane to me well that's good <laughs> like, and that's why i wanted to talk about it we're trying to get the magic to you know we're the ones that hopefully make the magic trick look like it's like it's magic right yeah so, so. like you hear a song in that instance you're saying he did not send you you guys didn't have any previews no, of no, these are songs that jason is working with that's uh-uh. what i thought he just plays the song and then immediately they do it again and everybody just like, all right, drummer's playing, yep. keyboard's playing, bass play, whatever, you know, so they're just making it up as they go in reference to hearing the song once. Yeah. What the fuck? So, so here's how that would work. And it's a good, it's a good example. It's a good, that's a good record to look at. I was just like the town, I don't understand. Well, first of all, a number of things that went into that being a reality, right? So first of all, good song. Like Jason's very clear, makes it very easy to relate to the song immediately. And he's really- Meaning like, so like you get tied in emotionally? I'd say Jason sits, stands there with the guitar and plays a song. You know what that song is. When he, yeah, I most, so the songs he's then at that point with his reference to a lot of times that he has worked out some of the songs that he's thinking about putting in the album by playing them live. So yeah. he's already constructed them in a way that they- are a song yeah though they're just him and his guitar the song but- would be fine if you threw a mic up for that performance yeah playing for and that's it. that'd yeah, be fine and- for a record you could put that out and yeah he so he does come in then with the so, constructed that's song right. so there are artists that can't that couldn't do that that couldn't come into the room and show the side right. musicians well let's first talk about that though yeah. jason so then anyway you're hearing this and then you're just like okay it's go time and you just have to make music so one of us i or a couple of us are writing out writing it out on paper as he's playing it down. So I would write out. So you're like writing out what you, what the music, the music that like written, writing out the music and as quickly as you can, because he's playing it in real time. So you're just trying to, okay, that's the same as the first verse, but a repeat. You're basically like okay. a stenographer at that point. You're, you're really trying. So also for me, I'm writing it out in a way that I'll know what it means when we're playing the song. Yeah. So 
Oftentimes, if I wrote out a chart and somebody wants to look at my chart, I have to say, no, I got to rewrite it because you won't. Yeah, Yeah. it's hieroglyphics to them, but it's like so fast, you know? Yeah. But we'd have a general chart. I don't remember if I made the charts for that record. Something tells me I probably did. Um, But you're just going to, and then I rewrite it out real quick while they got sounds and stuff and make a chart that everyone could read. And then, so now we're all on the same roadmap. So you've basically, Jason's told us this is the trip we're taking. We're going to San Francisco, but we're going to stop in, 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 in uh, you know, whatever. We're going to stop in Carmel on the way. We're taking the, the we're taking the five up the grapevine, but then we're going to cut over through so-and-so and we're going to go up the one-on-one the rest of it. That's what he's telling us. This is the trip we're taking. Yeah. So I'm writing that map out. Okay. Okay. I'm writing out the directions for the musicians. So now we've all got the same directions. So now we we approach how we're going to do that together. As a now the other great thing, well, there's a couple elements. The producer's great. So Joe Ciccarelli. So he's giving us his ideas of if if we ask or if he has specific ideas. Jeff, I think you should play synthesizer on this. Give it this. He'll maybe make a reference right, to especially because even keyboards. It's not like. Yeah, piano or the bass. This or like is a the piano drums, you song. Play this. It's yeah. like yeah, different. So yeah, he's say, he's got his idea. This is a piano. It's a little jazzier. Okay, so now I've got that little set of adjectives that I can work with. Or this should sound like a synthesizer that's almost not working. Okay, I know what that means. And then the other great thing is that in that band on that record, there's such session season pro- set recording yeah. session, season pros. We all are really acutely. If we play it the first time together. We're listening at just as much as we're playing. We're we're so almost, insane though. That feels like yeah, but it's a it's a three hundred sixty degree experience. Like I'm listening as I'm playing. So Tim Pierce, who was the guitar player on that record, and I really enjoyed doing those kind of recordings together because we listen really carefully. And then Tim will usually say on that record, I remember he'd say, "Hey, you played that little line in the second verse between the two stanzas the so-and-so are you going to do that every time you said and i would say things like tim i knew that would occur to you that that was deliberate i don't know if i meant to do that but i knew that you would ask so why don't i take it there and you take the little line so we're having these very kind of specific conversations early on and that's only because everybody is so really listening to the song to each other to the nuance so now when we record we're really we're kind of precision surgeons, you know? So in order to be able to do that, to be so well listening while playing, like, what do you feel like? You feel like you just sort of have to like surrender that you have to be out of your head. Like, do you feel like there was anything that have made you be better at that? Ooh, that's a good just question. Besides doing it. Well, here's one thing <laughs> that I think has been really helpful for me in that and in music in general, think playing like a listener, playing almost reflexively. So it's, we can do it in conversation too. When we're having a conversation, or if we're speaking publicly, maybe public speaking is better. Think like your listener, because we're so uh, we're so usually uh, just listening to the you know we're processing the brain and it comes out our mouth, right? But in music and with other you know, this is to be listened to. So how is it being how is it being consumed, right? So do I need to play everything all the time? Or do I need to step back because there's other instruments playing? So it's not just, this is, I'm not the center of the universe. Jason's the center of the universe. In this. So the vocal needs to be most. Uh, uh, so there are, every keyboard player has a different way of approaching. I know keyboard players that are very successful that make a living being a lot more um, stand out, like like parts and things that pop. And, and I 
have a tendency maybe i don't know for better or worse to to try to uh sink back into the fabric of what i feel the song is and to not be heard and we all have different styles but for me that was the key in the, of that session was what's the song here and what's what is, what needs to be here um and what's already provided by somebody else and it it takes a lot of discipline i think and then respect for the music and for the artist and for the other musicians so and maturity i guess and having done it and and then then you come out with these things that sound like really really exquisite versions of of what you heard him play that morning by himself you know and some might say too much so you know depending on you know, it doesn't have a lot. Sometimes you get too. No, I have precious. heard that, and I don't, not necessarily with that album, but because obviously I've worked with him for so many years. Yeah. So there have been songs where I have given him feedback of like, "Hey, I've loved this song forever, but the way that you produced it just now, like it takes away some emotion for me." Like where I have given notes on that, like that sounds awesome, but it now doesn't. I don't feel as connected totally to the words because totally. of how you did that. So it is such an interesting. Yep. Yeah, I loved that recording experience so much for like just watching these songs. There were also some very emotional songs because that was like after breaking an engagement. Mm -hmm. There were some yeah, very emotional things coming through that song. So I heard that album. And he was really lovely to, that was a really great experience for everybody. He was so generous just of spirit and of, of uh, it was just a really warm experience. They aren't all like that. Well, that's, so that's what I also wanted to ask too. So then, yeah, when you have the opportunity to work with someone, different examples, because even like you said, you have to really respect the music. Has mm -hmm. there been oh, someone that you start to work with where you're like, I don't actually enjoy this music, but you got to do your best because that's what you're there to do. Like, yeah, like what do you do in your mind to be able to show up as your best when you're like, this is so not my thing or it's a great whatever question. that thing that's might a, be. That's a great question. <laughs> There have been plenty. Yeah. <laughs> there have been things where I might be chuckling while I'm playing because it's so bad. Wow. Like it's so bad. Yeah. Um, I'm there to provide a service and I'm a pretty positive guy in the studio, like a, a lot of jokes and light heart. I try to keep, keep things in the air rather than, because often the, if the artist is new, sometimes an, unexper an inexperienced yeah. artist is more nervous in the studio totally. and they're paying, they don't have that much money because we do these days. It's not like we're all double scale, meaning like we don't all charge a super high rate, you know, in the eighties, seventies music side musicians were able to charge a lot. If you were a name like our, my, the people that I'm contemporaries with now, the equivalent from 30 years ago could charge a lot of money because there's a lot of money in the record industry. Now it's a very sliding scale. So because they're getting less money to make that one. So then they have less money to money pay. People. Yeah. Yeah. So you might have a guy that, that, you know, drive out from wherever to make their record. They've saved for uh, from their regular job and they want the real session musicians, sidemen. So they're using their, this is a lot for them, right? This is a big deal. They've come to a professional studio to record with the real, you have to respect that. And yeah. the song may be horrible, often is. I mean, yeah. that's my opinion, obviously. Maybe it's not, it's not to them. This right. is a great and that song might to just them. Be because they're new and they haven't fully gotten their voice yet. That's or right. And they're like, whatever. And often out. getting out of your own way again, it's like you actually get done with it. You go, that actually wasn't, you know, I, I, that was me being kind of mean girls about it. Like, like that was, it's, we made something cool from that. And you know what, when you see their face and they're so stoked. Yeah. There's nothing better. 
that's what do you end up in some ways end up respecting the music more once you work with the artist and just like respecting them as a human or just seeing that in them like wow they're putting themselves out there or something that it makes you then feel more like excited about what you're doing i think you just said it respecting them as a human i think if they're really seem loving excited um good people like just want to make their song great you want to make it great yeah if it's an asshole there may be a very like more like okay say there's a super uh you know somebody with a lot with like a successful artist or or somebody you've heard of and you want to make it great because it's going to get heard by a lot of you know million people or whatever but they're jerks it's a different motivation right um yeah i think i think you want to respect what they're bringing you know they've they've believed in you they've hired you for this so let's make it great right let's make it let's make it whether the song is good you know my opinion and there are really there have been some, i don't mean to sound like high and mighty there have been horrible songs that i played on just check it just just look at my discography <laughs> well yeah and i'm sure and i'm sure even also then there's like I don't know if you ever did it, but like jingles and commercial oh, jingles absolutely. and stuff like that, where I'm sure it's like, okay, like yeah. some like little totally. jingle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you find, try to find the beauty in any situation. Yeah. Cause our, we're, we've been hired to do that. That's what yeah. we're there for. And that's what I remember again, when I would get hired to do tours or to do one-off shows or whatever, or sometimes I would be, um, like for, at house of blues and there was mm -hmm. another v venue in San Diego that I would be like the monitor in gear. So if they didn't have them, but even sometimes when I put on tours and I was like, I don't like that person's music right. or I don't really want to tour with right. them. That would be a thought first coming up. But there has never been one artist that I think even for a one-off show that I didn't end up coming out of the show having a love for them and their great? music. Isn't that great? For me being like, that is so not my music. Right. That is so like, no, I'm not into that. Like, n like but then because I was there yeah. and fully listening and then seeing that person, you know, even if they were in some ways an asshole yeah. or like whatever, of course that can somewhat shift your idea of people. And that ruined me on someone that I loved. Yeah. <laughs> but I now can look back though. And like, she treated me that way because she was so not confident and nervous. So she was taking it all out of me because she had a new monitor engineer for the day. She probably was used to the same people, but to me, she was like, Oh and gosh, she's super she vulnerable up there and yeah. having to sound and, and not trusting that she's going to hear what she needs to hear. Not yeah. This is an excuse that, to behave like an asshole, but you realize their fears are actually controlling their their. Yeah, and also just it. seeing all of these people as a human, whether they had been like, oh my goodness, I'm working with... I work, I, like, I toured with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Amazing. I was, I think, I was the, I'm the only girl crew member they had ever had. They wow. might have since now, but like, right. just interesting like things and just being able to really have such admiration um, and respect for all of these people and just, I don't know, just being there and being present and being able to like... I think that's the key. Though being there and being present and caring, you're, you're that kind of person where <laughs> somebody knows right away that you're in this to make it better and to give them what they need and their respect. I think that that initial, when somebody understands that initially, you get a lot of room to be human, right? And to, to like, yeah. to, you know, if there's a mistake here, there people are pretty forgiving. And again, if you're talking about a live in the moment experience, they're going to happen, right? Yeah. And it's in anybody's job. Things happen in the moment at work. And, and that's something like in my day-to-day, -day, you know, with all the work I'm trying to do on being mindful of every moment and present and, and, and 
there are stressful situations where I maybe don't react in the moment in the most elegant way. Right. And I have to let that go too. It kind of, okay. And and that's happened. And that recall is happening a lot more quickly now, which is great. Like I'm, I'm flying off the handle less easily, which is great, but I'm not, I'm, it's not never. And so when it does happen, right. When it does happen. I definitely have my flying off the handle moments. And, but what I've seen is that, yeah, of course, when it's over, like, Oh, okay. I didn't handle that as best as I could, or I didn't need to say that. Or if I could have just communicated this before it bottled up or whatever yeah, right. and said it, but instead of being hard on myself or down on it or making myself wrong for I outacted, what I'm seeing is just that identifying. Yes. That's not how I want to show up. Right. That's not how I want to act. The identifying that then makes it sort of like living in your body that the next time these situations, it might happen again, but you're again like, mm, that happened again. Okay. Yeah. And I that's didn't like the, the way awareness. I felt uh, that that made me feel or that I didn't like the way I made others feel or. Like the one I'm thinking of when I overreacted recently, thankfully not many people saw it or had experienced it. I kind of did it to an audience that wasn't involved. So at least I could fly off the <laughs> handle, and not, handle and not affect the people that were, that were upsetting me. And then once I did that, I was like, that's kind of embarrassing. Like, I don't want to be that guy. That guy walked up the stairs and dealt with my stuff. And then I sent probably 30 seconds. And I also, in this day of immediate correspondence with yeah. texts and emails coming in your phone every second while you're driving. And, and if you see something that upsets you and you just want to immediately respond yeah. with your, it's like, it's so hard not to because mm-hmm. people often expect an immediate response. And if it feels like you're being attacked, you really, I, I want to defend myself or I want to explain why they're wrong. And sometimes just a breath I was going to say something like, yeah, I was just taking a oh, pause. It's so silly, but it, it saved, like in this case, I went up just to walk up the stairs and I told a friend, a, a friend that I knew I could trust that somebody had upset me and I may have used language that was fun and colorful. That was fun. <laughs> but I knew that this was a safe person. And then I dealt with it in a very constructive email. It kind of came from I don't know where, but I was like, this is actually what needs to happen and it's not happening and that's why I'm getting frustrated. So I need to solve it. Even this, this isn't my job at this moment. If this is going to go forward and I'm not going to get worse about this and, and, and if I want to help be part of the solution, I'm going to do this. And if, it, if it's upon deaf, deaf ears, that's not my problem. But it was in a very gracious, hey, we all want this to be great. So could we, would you guys mind trying this? And everyone was super down. I was like, Oh God, thank God yeah. I didn't come back with my snarky, <laughs> you guys, you know, whatever it was going to be. And God, it was a good lesson. And then I could not just look at the guy that flew off the handle to, you know, four minutes before, but look at the guy that like made a choice and yeah. go, okay, good, good, good move, buddy. Good, good pivot. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, it yeah. Is. So often I find myself, yeah, when I find myself in blow up moments or whatever, and it's usually because it had been something I hadn't communicated. Right. Right. Or like something had been bothering me and I hadn't communicated yep. or whatever. Or yeah, or that it was triggering me somehow. Yeah, because it's something that's repeating over and over that I again haven't been addressing. And as or you say that, I realize it's not necessarily then their fault if they if if they didn't get the memo or it's if they so, didn't see things that... it's so so fun sometimes to blame and make fault. It's easy. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah, it's the easier. It's easy, yeah. To stay out of it. Yeah. And that's why I always try to ask, like, well, where can I take responsibility? Right. 
even if it seems like it's all they're doing it totally. and everybody else fucked up, where can I take responsibility? Have I ever voiced that I don't? Usually like not, this? right? Well, that's why I love like stoicism and, and thing, the, the, the idea that what do I take responsibility for? What's really everyone else's fault? And if, quote unquote, everyone else is at fault, who still needs to experience this? I still need to experience. So maybe everybody else is totally wrong. Yeah. And yet- I still need to go forward somehow through this or with these people. Or so yeah. we're gonna have to figure this out together. Like, like maybe everybody else is. Sometimes everybody else is wrong. Yeah. And okay, but does that mean now you quit or you don't? Or you just live in I? Everybody's always wrong and they're doing it wrong, and I right. have to live in this always wrong world. It's, yeah. Well, what can I do? I know so many people that have better. such trouble with that. Like, like, well, it's all because of the. Okay, well, that's happening. Yeah. Like I, I, for a long time, I tried to fix people that were unfixable or situations yeah. and, and I wasn't fixing my own area. You know, the grass is always greener, water your lawn vibe. Like, yeah. like what's going on with you? Like why are then ba- bail? And sometimes my wife would like, if I was doing a session or a job or where, and it was bad conditions, my wife, that's just bail. And then when she would say that I could leave, I would often get so protective then. Like, I'm not have to leave. Like, well, Dumbass, like she's giving you the, the license to to not like and I realize you are hating every yeah. moment of this, then why don't you just yeah, and then stop I felt like a loser. It. I'm like, no, I don't want to leave. I want to make this good. Okay, then it's on me. Yeah. So you're so silly you turn the you turn the mirror back around and you realize it's Well, I'm not your gonna quit. Stuff. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so then the deal is you're not fixing your own your yeah. own version of events. That's it. one of my favorite reminders is just choose it or change it. Right. So choose what is. Okay, yep. this situation sucks. Yep. These people have a bad attitude, whatever it is. So I'm going to choose it and make it be the best. I'm yep. going to show up and do this. Or I'm going to change, like ma- sometimes it's changing your attitude or sometimes being like, totally. yeah, I can't do this job. It's not right. the best for me. I right. can't. I, right. I'm showing up trying to choose it. And it's it not and the best for them attitude. in that case. So I'm going to change it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes it's just like, I'm, and that's also just sometimes choosing it. You know, like people say, uh, losing it oh like this happened to me and people mm-hmm. then the positivity oh, yeah. will be like this happened for me yeah and i'm just like i think that's beautiful but sometimes you just be like this happened this or happened. this is happening yep and that's what back to touring yeah it is what it is right was like such a mantra of like okay our conditions today are terrible this yes. there are stagehands that don't know what they're doing yes. everybody's drunk whatever yeah it is what it is We're the show must go show. on yep. No matter what. And you don't have to own any of their the other people's behaviors. Or you I don't, don't have, have to, to take make ownership. it be the worst day ever because it's the worst circumstances. A lot of times those were the funnest days because you're just so, laughing your way through it. Like, can so, you believe this? And like you're saying, like, how about when those days are when every condition is averse, like, like, like the horrible and you have a good gig. It's like, yeah, hey, we, we most of the times they totally. were. <laughs> yep. So I think that in all work situations, like we have the power to alter the overall outcome just by you know i realized recently on on something that wasn't going great um i just kind of i would get really frustrated internally and kind of like this isn't the way it should be and all that i've learned and and, and all that i've read and tried to work to i've tried to do is like listening to that voice going correct correct what can and i would make a joke or i would take a breath and i would just kind of alter the energy in the room and I realized even if that didn't change that everything was wrong around me, it made me feel a lot lighter about it and made me go, okay, this is what it is. And just a little, and I'm usually pretty fun around. So I was like, I'm going to be fun guy. And it's going to feel like fun guys in the room, even though everything's 
messed up. Yeah. And fun guy's a lot more pleasant to be around. And I'm going to go. I'm going to have lunch. Fun guy's going to come back. <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's why not be that guy? Like, yeah, correct. Everything is a little messed up. That's yeah. right. And yep. it doesn't seem like it's going to change. So, you know, like, like you said, choose or change. I, I, I could alter that. Okay, it's not alterable in this case. All right. Then what? Like, be pouty guy? No one wants that guy around. That guy's a drag. And it's exhausting. Yeah, I was like, that's like a drag for everybody else. But yeah, it is. It's exhausting. It's so tiring, it's like, that energy. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to sit here and I'm going to like What else can dig I dig in? About? Yeah. <laughs> dig, or I'm going to be oh, super unpleasant. Here. I want everybody to know I'm uh, upset. Like, no, it doesn't. And I have a habit of doing like, like if it's not great, like I want everybody to know I'm not happy. That's, that's so dumb. Like nobody's winning because they're not changing. It's not getting better. And you're pouting. And also, if you were to create a change, that's likely not what's actually going to create change. No, it just makes everyone else more miserable. <laughs> now they're they're ineffective and miserable. Great. Okay. We don't have very much time left. Okay. I did want to talk about Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. So The man? Yeah. Well, like, not him man. in general, but guy. doing that show. What is that? And what has come up for that? And you've been doing that for so long now. So maybe going back there or is it now like something you're so used to that you have to like re get excited about it? Or there's sometimes when there's certain guests on, like just basically, is there anything you find that has been confronting or over there for you? I I have to say that we've been there since end of 2002 rehearsal. So it's been a long time. Yes. And, and you only, well, in my case, he's such a good person and he's so approachable and he's so, I, I can't say enough about how great it is to work for somebody when you look over there night after night and, and really like the person. And you know, you, I, I know I could go to Jimmy and ask anything. He's a normal guy. So everything stems down from that. Yeah. Um, and. So it's a great work environment. Such a great work That's environment. Great. And imagine if your name, we've worked for artists where their name is, is the brand, right? Is the company. Yeah. If my name is on, like, I can't imagine that kind of pressure. Yeah. And, and the pressure of making something good. And anytime. Over and over. Over and over, over again. Yeah. For that many years. <laughs> yeah. And he's so great about whatever he does to compartmentalize or make that, like, he expects things to be great. And he trusts those that he's employed. And let's make a show, you know? So I, I love it. Do you think because then because of him and his personality and that, then that makes you rise up every Absolutely. time you're there. That sometimes you might be tired. You just flew in whatever. You came from a tour, this yep. and that. But you're like, you're seeing him yep. rising up and doing it every yep. day. So you got to rise up too. Absolutely. No question. It, and and he's, no, I can't say, like, like he's done so many little things that would never get press that just show that he respects his employees and his colleagues just just showing up and, and being supportive when people need it and that's the guy that you want to you know that and 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 not for a publicity stunt like yeah. just a guy being a good guy so yeah then you want to do a good job you know i want to that's and, and he's and also another key to my being me personally which isn't necessarily for everybody that musically i have variety elsewhere so i get to do a record I get to do a weekend tour. I get to do, I do a lot in the Does studio here. Does that make you in, be able to enjoy it? Because I'm guessing that makes then too, me the better. fact that having that same job yeah. for someone who's creative yeah. 
could then, yeah, like be hard and like you don't want to show up every day. It's the same thing or it, I'm not, it's not the same every day. No, but but, but in my case, yes, it, it we're talking again about the surroundings and you could say, I can imagine like the guys when I was young, like I knew a lot of jazz guys or creative music people, right? right? Jazz would, for sure. Like, yeah. When you think and it jazz, would be like, well, how can you do the same thing every day? Like that's, uh, how do you have any time to practice or dude, do you, don't you ever get frustrated? And, and I think, well, then this isn't the job for you. Yeah. I, here's one thing I like. I did my first TV job in 99 and I liked going to, it was at CBS Television City, which is a big, where they do the prices right and stuff. It's a big TV studio in, in Hollywood. And I liked driving onto, into a parking lot. I knew the security lady. I like, oh, this is like a regular job. It's so cool for a music, like, it's like on tour, you get to know that everyone has their own, like they, you become a family. Yeah. And that's, but this was so cool. I loved it. Now, I liked that. There are musicians that, that, that they go crazy with that kind of yeah, um, sure. routine. I liked the routine, so I'm maybe different, but I do require different kinds of music and different creative outlets for me. Not everybody does, so I find them. So I don't expect that job, that workplace to provide everything for me. So I have to do it elsewhere. So I do a jazz gig on a Tuesday and I do another record on a Wednesday morning and I go out on a weekend and I go take a pay cut to go do my friend's gig in Iowa that I love doing. And, you know, it's, it's tiring, but it, it makes it so I feel like I'm fulfilled and I don't have to then hope that that job's going to provide something it can't. Because that's what I was like, want to highlight in some of these conversations too, is that often it is like, I'm talking to people that are living their dream yeah. in many ways, yeah. but that also like their dream is work. And so some days it just shows up as work. Yeah. That's right. And so and that, we forget that if we're, li if we're living our dream, as you say, and this is a funny thing for me, musicians get spoiled. Like we forget like, Oh, I you're had a, living I had your a fucking shitty day. Dream, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I always think, dude, think of guy that has two days off that he gets to go to the lake, maybe every third year. And the rest of the year he's, he's got a mask on and he's working with steel and not like super stoked about it. Yeah. Like, and not not to diminish what that I'm just saying, like they're not living their they're working. Yeah, like we're we get to. I laugh every day at work. I yeah. laugh every day, and I and I have my hands on my instrument pretty much every day making music. <laughs> like that's rad. Yeah, like if it's a shitty day, dude. Sorry, like you. I laugh every day at work. Like I think about that a lot now. Like who laughs at work every day? Not everybody. Yeah, not that's everybody's very true. yucking it up. Like, not even at lunch, it might not be that fun. Yeah, that's so, true. They might not even enjoy their coworkers. No, I I get on the mic. We we have a mic with the band at, at the Kimmel Show, and we could talk to each other. Just we laugh all the time, usually at each other or ourselves. It's so great. It's so healthy. So I'm really, and I realize with age, I'm I've got a lot better perspective on how lucky I am. You know, I think when we're in our twenties. We don't have the perspective. We're just trying to make it happen, right? And yeah. we're so hungry and you have to be. But now it's such a great time to look back and reflect. Well, that's what I'm like, yeah, do you, ha do you like remember to acknowledge yourself and like when you get those big jobs yes. and stuff like, you know, like, big wow. time, yeah. big time, much better about I think it now. Often too, it's like, okay, I did it or I made this or I got this label yeah. or this award yeah. or this salary or whatever. But yeah. then it's like still like, okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. And that's so often we forget to acknowledge ourselves no, for what we've made happen. Definitely now it's time to acknowledge, take a step back, breathe it in. It's yeah, that, that's, that gives me 
a healthy perspective and, yeah. and, and it feels necessary to give back the kind of gratitude for the, the fact that, uh, that it's, that it's happening this way and also not to take it for granted. And we're at a point where, you know, it's a young person's business uh, by and large. Yeah. So we're aware that the gravy train will make it right. its last stop. We can at some hire point. these guys. Yep. They're less, so we're we're just riding it, less. riding it while it's here. The show might not last forever. No, it won't last for. Nothing will last forever. It won't. No, okay. won't last. <laughs> nothing is nothing in this business or any business now lasts forever. Yeah, so, so just enjoy it. Just enjoy it and save. You know, save. <laughs> Honestly, like, like and financial too. It's just like what we were saying earlier. Like, be prepared for the job. In this case, be prepared for the job going away too. So it won't last forever. So we're just kind of aware and okay, well, what does it look like once these jobs are are less? And and just be prepared so you're not freaking out when it when the bottom drops out. Like it will it will change. Yeah. And that's okay. Things do. Okay. So I brought all the keychains for my product line, and I wanted you to pick which one was most speaking to you that you want as a daily reminder mm-hmm. and why. I like, oh, I like them all, but I like see the good. See the good. I've seen the good. Yeah. Because I think at this point in my life, that is a lot, that is really important. Yeah. That's really important. I mean, like you're going back to the days that can be the harder days and yeah. stuff like that. Like see the good. First of all, I'm, I got a paying gig. I'm being paid to be a musician. Totally. <laughs> like just even the step one. Yeah. And, yeah. and just taking a step back and, and, and right. Yes, you can even say, yes, there are shitty parts or this isn't ideal. Yeah. That's all fine too. That can all live there. This isn't ideal is a big one. But what's more enjoyable because you're going to have to get through that day. Yeah. Why not focus on the good? This is good. See the good. The good might be just even within yourself. Like, okay, yeah, yeah but I have this and that. And and so, yeah, there's something so beautiful and I get and to go freeing. home to my family. Yes. I have this. Yeah. It's so easy. It's so much easier to bitch. I have clean drinking water. Totally. 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 There, there's <laughs> like so a million like... <laughs> things we could point out. Absolutely. It's so great. It's such a great point. Um, okay. What is a go-to to raise your joy levels? So when you are in like a shitty mood or feel like you want to, you might have just been the, taking your breath. That's a big one. That's a big one. That's a great question. Gratitude and, yep. and remembering my own center of the, what's good. Um, and, and that's, that's a big one. And then, and then a mindful breath is kind of the best check-in, not always easy, but just a mindful breath can correct just about an, a, anything from in a deep one. So great. Yeah. It's important for me. I feel like in knowing you that a good cup of coffee might also... Oh, don't. Well, I don't know if I was allowed to say it. You can say whatever you want. No, no, no. I mean, no, no. <laughs> what raises your... Yeah, if you're having a shitty day, if going out and finding a cup of coffee bring, raises your joy Thing, levels, Yes, that's so that's my road stuff in here too. But if I'm on the road, I really immediately look for a good coffee place and a good record store. And there's a reason for it. Like, uh, yes, I can get... I can make coffee in the room and... I like getting out into the world. Like I went to a record store in Milwaukee three days ago and I wasn't in the mood to trek around. It was windy and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out and do my thing. This is what I do. And I went to this record store and what I love about this, this doesn't happen every time, but I get, I grew up going to record store every day when I was a kid. Every day. Pretty much. Wow. I, on my bike, on my way from school, I'd stop at the record store and, and not, not just the records, but I realize it's the people. I love the overhearing store. the conversation and the 
prisoner. They're my kind of people. Yeah. And in this case, it was an old guy. Love that. This was an old guy with the deepest Wisconsin accent. That if just out, he knew everything. He knew everything, and he had a perspective on it. And I just, I actually was just studying his voice and his. <laughs> he he knew everything about sports. He knew everything about the record. He was. Hoggle, uh, haggling with was a guy. Was he talking with you or you were just No, over, another guy. You were just overhearing I was just, him. Lo- I was just listening and <laughs> loving it. His accent, his dialect, everything. And, and, and the fact that he, as far as he was concerned, know, knew everything really made me laugh. And I walked out of there feeling so fulfilled. Like, A, I went to a record store, which is my happy place. Yeah. B, I found a ton of Todd Runner records, which made me really excited. And, 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 and the last thing was... Like I felt like I was in that city. I heard that guy's voice, which was so yeah uh, specific to that region. It was just because like, you could have oh, just stayed in your hotel room, totally. gone downstairs, got coffee, yeah. or went straight to the venue, yeah. ate there, and never experienced. No, I anything. see what if I'm at a coffee shop. Not only do I have a great, or I might find that they don't make great coffee there. Although yeah. now, <laughs> this most places I have good coffee places, but and then I see what somebody's reading, and or I overhear a conversation. I just love. Like kind of being in the world, being in the world, being with the people. Yeah, yeah. The one I'll have a good. I have a good anecdote that I I don't know if we're close to close, but I I was with Steve Martin and Martin Short, which is a tour that you've come to see. Yes, right? so good. And you can when they are they're still touring. Yeah, we're touring. Yeah, but you also can still I think watch the special Netflix. on Netflix, and yes. you can see Jeff. Pappen. I'm there. I'm right there. <laughs> and I get a special surprise. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't in the Netflix, sadly. Oh, it wasn't? No. Okay, I haven't seen it on um, Netflix. Yeah, so I was with, so Steve wanted to go to lunch, um, which is rare. Like, like he wanted to go to lunch. He has this place that he loved. Uh, I would give him a free plug, but I don't remember. It was like called the Fish Fry or something. It was a New Orleans place. But we were in Little Rock, Arkansas. So you want to go to lunch? I get that fish fry. I was like, no, you said it was great. I want to go to go to lunch. So we went to lunch. And I said, just you, know, you too? Yeah. And oh. I said, I always get coffee though. And I saw hip, hip hipster coffee place on the way. I'm going to need to go in there. I don't expect you to go in there with me because he doesn't love to. Um, yeah, I can see that he'd be pressure. a private guy. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure for him because everyone wants to yeah, it's a say lot. how everyone wants to be funny around. You know, it's just, yeah. it's exhausting. They want to have their Steve Martin moment. That's right. And you can't blame it, them. Holy shit. Yeah. That's Steve Martin in That's front right. of me. What That's do I do? It. What do I say? Can I get a photo? Can I get That's out of it? Can I tell you my story? And it's so exhausting for him. So, so I don't expect you to go to the coffee place. We'll go to lunch. I'll go in on my way. You know, I want to go in there. So we went in and my wife um, works in the Oscars orchestra. So this was the week before the Oscars. And I had my, she always gets me a free hoodie. Not, no, she pays for a hoodie. That's actually, she pays for a hoodie That's from the Oscars. That's even sweeter. Yeah, she, so I had my Oscars hoodie on Cute. and it's Oscars week. And I'm with Steve and I go to, and I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm just ordering my Cortado and, and Steve's standing there kind of, oh, so I'll get a nice tea. So. I get him an iced tea and, and the, the guy who's a very hipster guy with dreads like behind the, behind the counter goes, uh, hey man, so you work on the Oscars? I said, oh, no, no, no. Um, my wife works on the Oscars. She just gets me the, the, the sweatshirt. And he's like, oh, that's so cool, man. What does she do? Said, well, she's just a violinist in orchestra, but, um, but you know, they can all, oh, that's great, man. Is she doing it this year? Said, yeah, she's actually at rehearsal now. Said, oh, yeah, cool. He's like, and then he, I, he give, I give him my money and then I walk away and then Steve looked at me and goes, I hosted the Oscars. Ah! <laughs> he, the guy didn't. It? The guy didn't, didn't know to me. The guy never acknowledged Steve for a second. It was the best thing I ever saw in my and life. Steve said that to you, to me, not like, the guy. Yeah, he was like, it would have been even more epic if no. he said it to the guy. He said it to me. What I loved about it is that Steve like just took all that in, and he as much as he doesn't want to be bothered, he's like at that moment. Jesus, will you at least look at me and notice that I'm standing? But the, he had a hat on. I don't think the guy knew any had any idea it was him. It was really great. Yeah, that was a That's good one. That's amazing. Okay, 
we're like, you probably need to go. Can I ask you two more questions? Ask me two more questions, yeah. This is a thought I thought of recently. I've been asking everybody is something that I realized what is easiest for me is not always what is best for me. Oh, God, yeah. So like, can you see where that you can apply that to your In every way. In every way. But yeah, like one direct way of like, oh, yeah, it's easiest for me to do that, but it's better for me to do this. Yes, it, it really, it's, that's a, that's a great, um, well, I think I can at least, I don't know of a specific instance, but I know that one shouldn't always expect the most positive results from the easiest work or, or the easiest route or the most, you know, things take, in my case, if I didn't do all the practice and the listening and the preparing and the, then, then what seems like the most direct path, path from A to B doesn't exist because I didn't do, and that's, there's nothing easy about that. That's tons and tons of hours. Yeah. That's tons of, and if I don't do that, I don't get the, the, the best way. So it's all like the, it's all the apps going in the background that you've done all the work already and I'm still doing all the work. And, and, and if I expect a good result, it's not, it's not just the, or if you desire a good result. Yes. No, I, I think taking the easier out, then you gotta uh, gotta go run through this one more time, or I well, gotta yeah, do this. Yes, right. and in my case, a lot of the it would be a lot easier for me not to take. Every, I don't take every job, but not to take as much work, or not to. But everything, you know, and and also when I choose not to take work is a hard hard yeah. decision. So not almost nothing that I do is comes easy, except. When I'm in the moment and somebody asks if I, like you're talking to, to do a callback, talking about how easy it looked for us to play those songs that Jason just played, that's only because we've all done so much to get there. So that now, when you're in the moment, it's easy. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's easy. In, it's only easy in that little vacuum, right? Because we've done so much, made so many micro decisions and did all this work to get in the moment. Now we can just be. So basically, show up and do the work. <laughs> Show up and do the work and have done the work. Yeah. Right? So that when you show up, you know what to do. You're not a deer in the headlights. Yeah. Okay. The the working title, I still don't even know if I'm going to mm-hmm. call it. Po- title for this podcast is Claim It, meaning that we, it's up to us to claim everything for ourselves, to uh-huh. claim our joy, to claim our value, to claim our worth, yeah. to claim our dreams. Yeah. What are you claiming for yourself right now? Mm-hmm. I claimed two dependents on my taxes last week. <laughs> What am I claiming? Well I'm, done. <laughs> I'm claiming, okay, it's hard for me. In the past, it has been hard for you. Mm-hmm. I'm reframing words. And I appreciate it. In the past, it has been hard for me to, okay, my wife and I talk about this a lot. We're in, and this, I'm, this is going to come around, but I think it'll answer. <laughs> we live in a city. We live in basically in Los Angeles, yeah. Hollywood, where shiny objects are rewarded, mm-hmm. meaning a quote unquote healthy ego, which is actually an unhealthy ego, I think, like 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 bravado and wanting to be seen, and yeah. are are rewarded uh, often, and and we like to do things because they're good or try to do a good job or a, a quality job, so it's hard for us then to claim, hey, we did good, we deserve accolades or we deserve. So what I can say after all this work that I'm still working on. To go, okay, I claim that I am good at this yes. and I can do this and I'm worthy of the, the work I've been asked to do and that I'm grateful that people appreciate it. 
And that's okay to claim that that, yeah. that, that people appreciate that. And yes, I can also claim I have a ways to go and I can learn and I can grow and I can get better. And you don't have to put that stuff on. Like, just allow yourself to claim that first part. I can be in this Without in this going place. into, but no. I know I need to get better. Because no. then I think we are, you know, like, it can be like, well, I did this, but let me also make sure everybody knows that I'm not oh, I, myself. I get it. So I'm just saying for us in Thank this conversation you. right now, claim. No, I appreciate that. It's That's the hardest thing for me, though, is to 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 claim that that, that part, you know, that that's weird for me to be able to say, oh, okay, I'm good at, I'm good at this. Yeah. But I sure am thankful that I that I can say that, you yeah. know, and that pe- that other people actually You see. are good at it, Jeff Babco. <laughs> That's why I'm here What's talking What's weird to about you. it is that we expect <laughs> validation, right? To put a cap on that to go, okay, yeah, only because and and what the, the challenge for me is to do that without the validation. Well, but from also others, from others. If we are you seek validation, you we seek validation but oftentimes we can't even fully accept it unless we can validate ourselves. That, and that's the key, right? To get it. Cause you're still going to like, what you're still the being unsure of yourself serves you in many ways yeah. and you're keeping your ego check and stuff like that too. Yeah. But yeah, you do need to validate yourself or else me validating you, the Oscars validating you, anybody right. won't mean anything. No, it was it, that. And that I'm learning late in life. And that's why you got to claim it. That's right. And that's, <laughs> your, and that's why I answered with that because, uh, if we're looking for others to validate us prim- first and foremost, it may never happen, right? So you got to, and, and we make our own choices so that at the end of the day, we can validate that we're okay, right? So yeah. make those choices. Yeah, you're more than okay. Thanks. You're awesome. Thank you, you too. All right. It's been so fun talking to you. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I hope you love that episode. Again, I really do love Jeff. You can find him at Jeff Babco on Instagram, jeffbabco.com. In the show notes, I'll have links to his music and the different projects that he's on. But yeah, he's right now, you can, if you tune into Jimmy Kimmel, he's there. He's on tour with Martin Short and Steve Martin, and you can watch the Netflix special. If you go see Toy Story 4, you can hear him playing piano and that. Super, super cool. Love him. Um, of course, you can follow me at your Joyologist on Instagram, yourdoyologist.com, all things me. Make sure that you rate the podcast. Leave a note what you think. Subscribe because it really does help and I love hearing from you. And if you do leave a rating, screenshot it, email it to me, yourjoyologist at yourjoyologist.com, and you'll be entered to win a box full of my products. Yeah, I have a kick-ass affirmation-based product line, mugs, journals, an affirmation deck, keychains, magnets, lots and lots of good stuff to inspire you, to remind you to own your awesome and claim it for yourself. So I'm going to leave you with the last thought today. What are you claiming for yourself right here, right now? And I always love to hear this. So also DM me on Instagram, share it in the stories and tag me. What are you claiming? I am here for you. I want to know. All right, go have an awesome day owning who you are.